Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello and welcome again to What I Did Next from ANT Media. I'm Malak Fuad. On the show, we delve into people's life journeys from the point of view of twists and turns, shifts and pivots. We've all had them. Some are more visible than others and make us stop in our tracks and make a course correction. Others only come into focus with hindsight, when we look back and realize that a particular moment was pivotal in our lives. This is the essence of What I Did Next. I'm joined today by the super talented Lebanese Iraqi chef, Hussein Hadid. If you've been lucky enough to attend his unique kitchen table experience in Beirut, you'll know that he conjures up magic, not just for your taste buds, but also by giving a lot of thought to the atmosphere and decor. Nothing is left to chance or overlooked when it comes to creating his sophisticated yet simple take on dining. He's also a sought-after food consultant, advising, creating and shaping menus around the world for high-end restaurant brands. Starting out in finance, Hessin quickly discarded that career in favor of a chef's jacket and hat. Our conversation took on many twists and turns, with amazing anecdotes from his time working for a top New York restaurant to his more difficult experiences in Lebanon over the last few years. We're starting with our dinner party question, and I should have known better than to ask a chef who his ideal dinner party guests would be. It's like opening up Pandora's box. I would include, uh, first of all, uh, Francis Malman. He's a master chef in outdoor grilling. Uh, using all sorts of form of uh, wood fire, uh, charcoal, uh, unconventional methods of cooking, uh, cooking, uh, digging in deep into the mud. Um, actually, I, 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 I got to know about him through the chef's table. Another person I would go for is Anthony Bourdain. I love him. I don't think he, he, he was successful. He was successful as a chef, chef, but I think he made his name through his CNN travel show. And I think I love the fact that the, the cross culture, you know, going into, um, for example, Cairo, going into Lebanon, going into, uh, India, uh, discovering, going to Iran, meeting people. It's, 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 uh, it's a bit of food, culture, politics. So he was actually uh, connecting with all those people and sharing food, which I think sharing food is the most important thing in, in life because I think you can, uh, you can, uh, you can uh, fix problems through food. It breaks down barriers. Yes, exactly. So from Anthony Bourdain, 
I would go for David Beckham. Wow. Being a Manchester United supporter. But that's like a complete mishmash. I love it. No, but I mean, I think, you know, you have to, you have to think also what I like. I mean, of course, I like food, yes, it's true. But I'd like to also meet somebody who has, who has actually, uh, who has ambition, who has the drive. He now owns a, a football club in, uh, in, uh, in Miami. He he's always uh, involved in the game, and he's a he's a well known figure. The really interesting thing about Beckham is he's almost uh, where modern celebrity started. He leveraged his amazing talent into a multi billion or multi million dollar business, and people have sort of learned from him and and taken it further after that like the kardashians like other people but he was really him and his wife really started out this and yeah victoria because victoria did the same thing she was into music and then she went into fashion exactly and fashion industry and it was it was done with success yeah so who is your fourth person at the table Zahadid. of course i was waiting for that she loved it's like all the hadids we all loved food uh, I have actually another person is Sophia Loren. Oh, is somebody that I was fascinated when I was young. She was very, you know, I like the Italian, this, uh, the, the passionate. She was a, she's a very sexy woman. Yeah, exactly. Sexy, passionate. You know, there is that joie de vivre in there. The, yeah. Uh, Italians have something. Yeah. And I think there are lots and lots and lots of stories that can, she can, that she can uh, share with us. Another person. Actually, I have three more. Go ahead. Edward Said. Interesting. His wife, Mariam, is uh, my uh, mom's bestie. And when I went to New York, Edward Said and Mariam used to go take me out every once in a while. And this guy is, again, a very cultured man who loved sport, who loved music, who loved to read, who loved... He's very passionate. He's very interesting. He's he can give us so much. We can learn so much from him, uh, and at the same time, he's very humble and down to earth. Yeah, he was a he was a role model, of course, for a lot of people. He was an intellectual powerhouse and another person who also went before his time. He he passed very very early. Unfortunately, yes, but he but he but he left a foothold on 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 things in in, in the world. Who else do you have, Hussein, on your table? Pavarotti. Ooh, lovely. We have some music today at dinner. <laughs> and I used to remember because I I remember Pavarotti because Pavarotti used to come to San Domenico in New York, and especially after concerts. Uh, and he used to come, and he was like, um, a way, in a way, a beast, a beast in the in the sense that I think when you go and and sing, it takes lots of lots and lots of energy out of you. So it actually you come completely out exhausted. And he used to come, and he used to have always a towel around his neck. Yeah, and he used to come into the kitchen, but he would come, for example. He would have, let's say, um, two big bowls of pasta. And we used to do like the spaghetti al chitarra, which is made like a, like a guitar on a string uh, with tomato. He would eat two of those. And then he would have his risotto. And then he'd have a whole prime, of, prime rib of beef. Wow. All by himself. That's unbelievable. And he'd finish up with what? With a bowl of the Hagen Daz. <laughs> the one one liter thing. 
The last one is actually, again, music. It's Tina Turner. I love her. She's dynamic. Uh, she, she unearths something out of you. She gives you energy. She gives you passion. Uh, she fought all her life. Uh, she made it a success. Um, and that's what fascinates me about her. So, so I don't know how how those eight will uh, will work with each other. Well, you know, Hussein, I mean, you you probably do know this because that's part of your work. But in my in my thinking, whenever you bring eclectic people together who on paper wouldn't work, they always work. Uh, I think people love to be around different people. They like to make an effort. Uh, people like to show off. So they'll be on their best behavior and they'll bring out the best in each other you know, most of the time. So I, I think you've got a great uh, dinner there. I hope so. And then basically me cooking. And and most of the times I would have, let's say, my sister, Rana, who has actually, uh, she is the, the person in charge of the kitchen. Uh, whereby she does all the table settings, she does all the flowers. How lovely. Has she always worked with you, Hassan, or is that new? No, she always does. She, everything she does in the kitchen is done by her. Oh, see. Now she's she's gone, I think, a bit further, and she's actually gone more by herself, which I'm very happy for her because she is very talented also, and she has an eye for, uh, for, for, for flowers, for flowers and decoration. Let's talk a little bit, Hussein, about your upbringing. Give me an overview of where you were raised. I'm Iraqi of origin. My mother is Lebanese, uh, Palestinian. We were born, born and raised in Lebanon, Beirut. During the Civil War, uh, we had to leave. We went to London. Uh, and thereafter, I went up to Gordonston up in Scotland, whereby I had my education until 18. Uh, came back to Lebanon in 1982, uh, spent it here to like four, four or five years. And you were, that was in 1982, Hussein, this is after school? Uh, 1982 is when I graduated from school. Uh, I stayed actually in London. We had passport issues with the Iraqi-Iran war. And I thought it was best to come back to Beirut. And actually, in 1986, went back to London, embarked on, on finance, but decided that food was my thing. How did you make that, you know, that decision to, to move into such a, a very different kind of industry and an industry which was very unusual for a, a young Arab man to choose? How, how did you make that decision? Listen, I think it's not it's not a decision. I don't think it came out lightly because I think uh, the Hadiths in general did not like that idea. Uh, maybe my aunt did. Uh, from my mom's side, it was easier. Uh, but I think, you know, when you go and do something and people see you being happy, being content with what you're doing. Uh, I think also the fact that you enter the world of the, the culinary world where the kitchens are hell. It's very intense, Yeah. very dynamic. Uh, you stand on your feet all day long, very tiring. You know, and lots of people actually come to me nowadays and say, do you, I want to become a chef. 
I say fine, but you have to have the perseverance and the will to actually withstand uh, everything to do with fatigue and everything else because it's very, very, very tiring. Um, so I was happy even when I was tired. I was happy. I used to wake up. I used to go. Uh, I used to to enjoy. Uh, I think I think it's uh, perseverance. I think if you don't, if you can't carry on. Basically, you, you realize it's not for you, but I carried on. Yeah. Uh, because also the cooking has so many, actually being a chef has many aspects. You know, it's not a, just a question of, of cooking. Mm -hmm. There's cooking, there is meeting the client, there is the accounting part whereby you do the costing and so forth. Uh, you look at uh, different uh, locations for an event. It's always fascinating. And creating, this is what, what makes, uh, makes it interesting. Yeah. So after three years at San Domenico, um, what made you decide it was time to move into something else or somewhere else? I think, I think uh, Lebanon was, uh, was moving into a better place. Mm. I can't remember what, what my age was. But um, I said to myself, I must have been in the 30s. I said to myself, you know, or... I'm going to stay in New York and make it and make a life. But the repercussions are that you might break up from your family or go back to Beirut, whereby you have the support of your family and, uh, and you make it there. And I think, I think Beirut in general uh, was still raw. And I think still today it is still raw. Yeah, there are lots of things for people to learn, and I think we're still very, very far away from where the standards of Paris, London, New York are. Was it around this time when you did move back? Uh, I think it was in '95 that you you met your wife, or had you met her before? No, I met Zin. I don't know. The first time I met her at a wedding, but I met her. Again at a wedding in two thousand and three or four. Ah, I see. And it was in Istanbul. Actually, it was in Bodrum, and that's when it actually clicked. And we got married in two thousand and five. Must have been in two thousand and four. So you got married quite quickly, right after meeting again. And but I wasn't. I was. I was getting getting on. Yes, I know. I was, like 40, I was just trying to 41, calculate the, the forty-one date. years when I got married. Yeah, you were older than the average. But the thing <laughs> is, when you get when you get involved in food, you don't have time. It's like you know, you 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 work, you sleep, you wake up, you go back to work. It's like it it consumes you completely. Yeah, and actually, our times are completely different from the norms. That's right. That, for example, you know, when people go out at night, we are actually working in the restaurants. So it never coincided with anything. Yeah. But you learned, you learned, what is very important about being a cook is that you learn to be disciplined. Disciplined, organized, because I think um, if you don't have that mentality, you know, if you, because there's so much pressure, 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 pressure. People are like saying, my life wants her food. You know, where is her food? Where is her food? Yeah. So yeah. basically, there's always a push, push, push. When we come back, we'll talk about Hassin's return to Beirut and setting up his own kitchen, which is now a key stop in the city. That's right after this short break. 
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back. I'm Malak Fuad, and you're listening to what I did next with my guest, Chef Hussein Hadid. Tell me a little bit about how or how you began to establish yourself as a chef in Beirut. I mean, you are now considered, uh, I mean, coming to your kitchen in Beirut is, is a rite of passage. I mean, I don't think a trip to Lebanon is complete without a visit to your kitchen. Um, but how did you get to that point? I mean, what what did you do when you first arrived back? What was your idea? What was your concept uh, what did you learn in the U.S. that you wanted to bring back? When I came back, uh, actually everything was prepared for me. My mom had uh, bought uh, two plots of land. Where one was actually used for building the kitchen, which is my kitchen nowadays. And the other is actually a family home for my sister and myself. Plus a reception area for for the invitees who would come to, to the kitchen. Mm-hmm. So she had this thing planned. And I always had the idea that the restaurant business is not, for, is not something for me. I wanted something more unique. I wanted my own time. I felt that doing my own thing would give me more time. I started actually uh, wanting to do lots of seated dinners, but realized with time that Lebanon uh, likes buffets. So from seated dinners, changing into buffets because they wanted more more items on the table, something to select from. Um, It changed the way of thinking because actually I was also taught, uh, taught at San Domenico, New York, and at the French culinary industry, that plating was the thing to do. But then it became a bigger scope whereby you have to do a big dish yeah. and everything has to be nice and colorful. You have to create, you have to uh, always, always change because it's changing uh, Lebanon being a small market. Invitees can be invited twice or three times during the week. So you have to think of all of those things. Um, ingredients were not easy to come by. We used to we used to buy everything from outside. So it's not a so a big source. Um, French market like Rangis were were the thing to go to. Uh, we used to have people who are suppliers who used to bring them for us. Uh, we are very well connected. We used to jet. We used to get everything that we wanted. Um, fish was available. Uh, Meats from Australia, from America, mm-hmm. from South um, South Africa. Uh, everything, everything. 
And when you started, Hussein, no one was offering the formula that you were doing in this this almost home away from home sort of idea. Yes, catering catering at home. uh, Not many people had that that idea. I used to come in, have my own equipment, Mm -hmm. have my I used to take everything with me from the olive oil, the salt, the pepper, everything. I used to go to the client, bring in all my things. Yeah. I do my mise en place, prepare everything in the kitchen, go to go to their place. They would say, oh, you brought in your saute pan? Oh, you mm-hmm. brought in your pot? Oh, you brought... I said yes, because I did not want to interfere with their things. Yeah. <laughs> and I think with that, people started to, to appreciate because I used to go there uh, not to using any of their of their uh, their things their tools which i think was something new i think also in the world maybe in paris or london i think i think it was also something that was uh, being created uh, and i think it was an innovation i think in a way What are your thoughts about the the future of your industry in Beirut? How uh, what what's happening now? I mean, economically, where we are all aware of how difficult things are now. How are you managing? How do you see the next phase for you? Yeah, I think nothing has changed. I think people are still living the same in the same mode. But I think people have adapted politically. People. The, 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 the people who are in charge do not seem to want to change. Uh, I think I think at the beginning, I would have always hoped that, you know, it's good, maybe we do a devaluation, we, we rebuild the country, we, uh, for the better. Obviously, uh, people do not want that. But we are adapting, are we adapting? Are we happy in the way we're living? No. Because I think also the the daily life, uh, yeah, electricity, water, phones, internet, all these things are fundamental to our daily life. Um, I don't think it needs to be politicized in order for people to have those utilities. No, it shouldn't be. It's a right. But they're turning everything into politics, unfortunately. Um, now, regionally, they can do whatever. Uh, expectations for the future, we don't know. We've been like hoping, hoping, hoping for the last two years for for, for better things. 2023 is here. Do we see anything ahead? No, we don't. Um, but people are living. But uh, we are... Uh, yeah. I think the country is, is split because you have people who are living the luxury life and you have the other people who are like suffering, 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 whereby they don't have the means to, to, to eat on a daily basis and, uh, and provide. It's sad. The restaurant industry is is working, but I think we're not working anymore on, on, on food. It's more, it's become more like, uh, uh, shishas, the shisha industry has taken over here. I think. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the cheap way of getting people together. Yeah, but it doesn't. But it doesn't. You know, for example, when you have a shisha, and if you go to a restaurant and you have shisha and you spend two, three hours, I don't think it's going to make you money. It's going to at some point it's going to break. No, you. I don't it know won't. how they do it, but they do it. 
I guess the startup costs are minimal. Yeah, it's the same thing. I think it's like having a salon de thé. You 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 meet up with friends. Yeah. You spend three four hours. You have a couple of teas and a couple of cakes. But at the end of the day, it's not gonna make. It's not gonna. No. It's not gonna pay off. It's not gonna make the. No no no. Over the course of his illustrious career as a chef and an entrepreneur, Hassan has seen multiple crises. When we come back, he tells us about how his business has weathered the storms. That's right after this break. I wanted to take a minute to tell you about our bonus episodes, available exclusively for subscribers. On each bonus episode, I take a deeper dive into my guests' industries, and I share some extra parts from our conversation. For example, actor and comedian Rami Youssef told me about his thoughts on cancel culture, and ex-anchor and now author Hala Gorani told me her thoughts on the future of journalism. All of these great stories are only available on our bonus episodes, so subscribe now to unlock this amazing extra content. You can subscribe in Apple Podcasts by clicking the subscribe button or on our website and get instant access to all our bonus episodes with a two-week free trial. And now, back to the show. Welcome back. I'm Malak Fouad, and you're listening to What I Did Next with my guest, Chef Hassan Hadid. Hassan, I want to turn our attention a little bit to uh, the idea of working uh, in times of crisis, because uh, you uh, clearly have been through many years of uncertainty in Beirut, and every time we all think things are going to get better, that something else pops up. So you had the 2006 war with Israel. Then, of course, much later, we have Corona. You obviously are resilient as a person, but how, on a bigger scale, how do you, how do you get through all this? I think, you know, we, it's, not, it's, not, it's not something that we, uh, trait that we have. I think uh, you, you learn with time. I think uh, what we had in, uh, in 2019 was something uh, that basically hit everybody. And I think it took us some time to actually adapt to the Lebanese currency against the dollar, uh, banks, how they were like treating us and so forth. Actually, we made, I think lots of us made lots of losses in between because we never, I think for a year or a year and a half, I, didn't, I don't think anybody was making money. But you learn to be resilient. You learn to be, uh, I think for me, I think I learned to be independent, independent in the sense that you work by yourself and you start, and it's like as if you started a new business again without maybe the banks. Yeah. And then we did something which is special. Uh, we did something called the underground kitchen. The underground kitchen, uh, because people were not entertaining at home and they were not really sure what they wanted to do. Underground kitchen came from a something that i had in mind actually the kitchen being underground made it gave 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 the name of underground kitchen and it's something to do with street food actually street food that were that that we can share uh, whether it is lebanese whether it's thai whether it's indian whether it's turkish all those things that are fascinating that you can have them all around the table uh, done in a very simple and in a, in a, in a cheaper form of uh, of dining. Maybe you can call it in a, a more refined, 
uh, refined street food, given a twist, Lahsen Hadid maybe. Yeah. And 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 actually, you realize how people were were passionate by all of this. <laughs> Although we were in, in in COVID situations, we had to uh, put on the table which I had because I had a big to big table of uh, seven meters, eight meters. We used to sort of divide people, and we used to have a plexiglass in between each invitees. <laughs> so it was a bit weird. Uh, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And, and actually, the, the number of people, for example, we used to entertain, we used to invite, let's say, 30 people. But with the COVID situation, we like reduced it to 16. But I can tell you, I get always phone calls, people asking me, when are you going to have the underground kitchen? When are you going to do this? When are you going to do that? People loved it. You know, fundamentally, I think people people love to be together. People miss the connection. And that's you're, you're giving them a, a way to connect with, with each other. And I think, you know, you, you've always offered the best of the best in terms of quality. But providing the street food idea when times are tough, is uh is is clever and and it 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 makes people still come out uh it's easier on their wallet and the fundamental thing is they're able to connect over an amazing meal and that's that's what people need and it makes them happy because they're like yeah sitting at home kind of able to do anything but at least you know it's something they can go and say ah i'm gonna pay uh whatever 25 bucks for something which is which is not something like you know it's not you're not paying a hundred dollars so you don't feel like you're uh, exactly like, uh, you're suffering um you feel fine you say to yourself i'm gonna eat i'm gonna eat well i'm gonna enjoy we're gonna have a laugh we're gonna have a drink um and and and, and i think and i think at that time people that's what people wanted and they needed that because we were like completely broken Absolutely. But but this was the COVID era, so that was more recent. But before this, you had also gotten involved in working in Paris and in Geneva uh, at the Prince de Galles Hotel in Paris and then um, in Geneva as well. How did this come about and and what was the thinking behind you being, what is it, like a visiting chef in those in those uh, places? It's a visiting chef working uh, with four hands. It's actually Prince de Galles. It's, it's, uh, it's a visiting chef working with Stéphanie Le Calec, who was the chef at the Prince de Galles. Four hands, creating a Lebanese menu with a twist for their summer, uh, summer period. They had a terrace and between May, I think May till September, September, October, they had that menu. And it worked wonders. Uh, people were enjoying it. Uh, they were happy, uh, nice environment. Working with Stephanie Lecalec was amazing because she is also a very prominent chef. Yes. A uh, woman chef. Um, and actually from that project, came about the project of Balila in Geneva. Mm -hmm. Because whilst I was uh, doing all of this, the owner of a hotel in Geneva came to me to Paris and we discussed this whole thing and can we actually do this for, for, for Geneva? 
And she was a person that was being fought by all parties in her family or in her working environment who were all saying, Lebanese food? Why Lebanese food? In effect, we went, we opened over there. We had, and now it's the most amazing place because every single day it's full, full, full. Amazing. Lunch dinner. What is the name of that hotel, Hussein? Uh, it's called Hotel Longemal, and the name is Balila. Ah, and so you set up the restaurant, and it's still operational now without you there. It is, yes. It's not my restaurant. I am consulting for them. I see. But I created the menu for them. I I I visit every once in a while uh, to check and to do audits and to do everything. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's been it's been now nearly uh, three years, and I can tell you um, uh, the expectations, especially from the people in Geneva. I don't think they expected anything like that, and I think now they say if they wanted to open another restaurant, they would definitely do it. That sounds great. It's been a success. And I think it's the success between the, I think uh, the, the Geneva people, the Geneva crowd. Uh, it's a very cosmopolitan crowd that everybody loves. Lebanese food, everybody loves it. Thank you for joining me today. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review in your favorite podcast app. On our bonus episode for members, which comes out next week, Chef Hassin tells me how he changed his perceptions about dining and about his choice to put down roots in Lebanon. You can get this episode by signing up on our website as well as on Apple Podcasts. What I did next is brought to you from ANT Media. This episode was hosted by me, Malak Fuad, and is co-produced with Shirag Desai. You can follow us for more on our website, Instagram, Twitter, and on LinkedIn. Just search for what I did next. We'll have our wrap-up episode in two weeks' time, and this time I'm in the hot seat. See you then.